<laughs> Good morning, church. Um, so for those of you that, that don't know who I am, my name is Sia, and I lead Kids Church up in Kloof. Um, it's a massive privilege to be able to be here this morning. Um, for I think it's been a while, probably like, how long, Ross? Like almost a year since I last preached here. Um, some people ask me, where have you been? And I, and I say to them, I, I was living a life of sin, and then I repented. And I also gave me the privilege of preaching again. So it's the Lord that has worked in my heart that got me here after all. <laughs> um, but I get the privilege of opening up our sermon series this morning about God's will for your life. Uh, and as the video says, there's so many people that feel like they have the right to direct God's will for your life. Your friends, your family, um, your, your spouse, uh, Google. Uh, you won't believe how many people type into Google, what is my purpose? Why am I on earth? And for the longest time, we've lived our lives believing that God's will for our life is found in a doing something. And for most of us, and I believe almost every single Christian, that, that, uh, every single Christian um, finds themselves asking this question, God, what do you want me to do in the form of God? What is your will for my life? And you wouldn't be wrong in asking that question. You're absolutely right. There is a do in finding God's will for your life. But there is something that comes before that do. And I believe it's becoming. I'd like to submit to us this morning that God's will for your life isn't primarily found in what you do, but rather who you become. So now that we've kind of settled that, you can breathe. I'm not going to tell you to change your job or change your career. You, I think where God put you now, he's going to use you there. Okay. So now let's start the journey of learning how we become someone or like someone. The title of this sermon is actually called Live Like Him, Die Like Him. So for those that have heard me preach, you know that there are three things that you're allowed to say when I preach. Number one, <laughs> you can say preach it, you can say amen, and you can say ride that bus. All of which are perfectly acceptable in the house of the Lord. Um, But let me try to prove this point to you of what it means to become and why God cares so much more about who we become. I think who we become governs the things that we do. So you can do something but never change. But you can change and then go in and do something that brings about change. If we look at Jesus' life, he was um, uh, God's son. But he didn't come as God's son. He came as a child. He came as something as fragile as a child, lived as normal a life as you'll ever find. And at 30 years old, God is like, okay, it's time. Were those 30 years wasted? Was God just killing time until he was 30? I don't think so. See, what Jesus was doing is, uh, was very much part of leading him to becoming. That do wasn't unimportant. It was necessary, but it wasn't the final thing. It wasn't where he was meant to end up. God's will for Jesus' life was to one day die on a cross for you and I. But that process was not devoid of him doing something as ordinary as being a stonemasonry or a carpenter. See, when I was 30, he gets baptized, and God says, this is my son whom I love, with whom I am well pleased. He didn't say, this is what I want you to do. See, from that point on, Jesus walks on this earth in step with the Father, living out of who he is, not what he should do. 
So you might be here this, this morning, maybe having asked that question, God, what is your will for my life? God's will for your life is to become like his son, being and therefore doing. There's a, another scripture as well, a few other scriptures I'd like to point you to. Romans 8 verse 29 says this, For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Or John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory. This is God's will for your life, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Or First Thessalonians 5 verse 18, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for your life in Christ Jesus. All of these things are about becoming someone, not doing something. The doing follows the becoming. So who are you becoming? Where you are right now, who are you becoming? Is that governed by you or governed by God? Another one, it carries on, it says, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 3, it is God's will that you, will, yeah, that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. 1 Peter 2 verse 15, for it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. And I could go on and on with scripture after scripture that speaks about God's will for your life. And a majority of them, 99% of them, are about becoming. So even that one about um, by doing good, you become someone that is good and therefore you do good far easier. Giving thanks in all circumstances is a thing that we do, but it's a byproduct of who we are as we adopt an attitude of gratitude. When we become, it's so much easier for us to do. It's so much easier to find out what it is that God puts you on this earth to do when you start the journey of becoming. And as that Roman scripture says, we are called to become like his son. So therefore we live like him. Okay, do you believe me now? Our journey is about becoming. Now how does that happen? Where does God's will end? Does it just extend to humans? Animals possibly? Plants? The stars? The galaxies? Where does God's will end? See, we'd like to believe that we are the most important uh, creatures in the universe. And you could possibly be right. But God's will, I believe, extends to all things within their context. A son provides uh, radiant energy that is needed for plants to be able to photosynthesize. It is living out God's will for it within its context. It is being and therefore doing. It's so much easier to figure out the do when we begin the journey of becoming. Take, for example, uh, this is a pot plant with God's love, filled with God's love, quantifiably so. Um, Let's just take this seed. That's going to annoy me because I'll keep touching it. Okay. Let's just take this seed. 
pretend I'm a farmer. I have a will for the seed. So if I take the seed and I plant it in a normal garden, now this is not God's love, in my garden, it'll therefore grow and become a tree. Is it fair to say? Okay. So now, would we also be correct in saying that this seed also has to live under God's will? So what is God's will for this seed? See, if, if it would be correct in saying to grow, but there's a step before that that needs to happen that is absolutely crucial. As a farmer, I see one tree from one seed. God sees an entire forest from this one seed. God's view is far bigger than ours. Even with two eyes, we still see only half the picture. So God's will for this seed, even as much as it, it is to grow, I believe God's will for this seed is to die. Here's why I say that. John 12, uh, 12 verse 24. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat or a... What's this fruit? Avocado pip uh, falls to the ground and dies... It remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. See, if this seed falls into this ground and dies, it is living under God's will for this seed. So now, the thing about that is it's actually quite scandalous that God will call something to die for it to bear fruit. If God can call something as measly as a seed to die, could it be possible that he's calling us as human beings, the most advanced creatures on the planet, to die also, that we might also bear much fruit? Is our journey of becoming someone, becoming like Jesus, not devoid of dying as well? See, if we have to pretend that this is Jesus now. Put into the soil and died. The fruit of that is everyone sitting in this room. There's a point before Jesus was crucified that I'd like to point us to that was equally, or if not, maybe a little bit less uh, important to him dying on the cross. See, after, or after the Last Supper, just before he's handed over to sinful men, he uh, goes off, takes three of his favorite disciples, goes off to go pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. He prays this prayer, God if it is within your will, won't you take this cup away from me? But not my will be done, but yours. What is he doing in that moment? I don't think that that scripture is there just to tickle our eyes when we read it. Because he prays that prayer three times. It must be pretty important. What is he doing? See, the thing that we sometimes can forget is Jesus was very much as human as you and I. He felt emotions like you and I. So we could imagine that his spirit was a bit fearful about going to the cross. So if God's will for his life for the past three years have been about this moment, going to the cross, then if he chooses otherwise, it'll steer him away from God's will. So what does he choose to do? He, choose to, he chooses to remain in the Father, takes that fearful spirit that is within him and buries it in the ground. And he lets it die. See, Scripture tells us that he prays that prayer, and after a little while, an angel comes up to him and strengthens him. And then he goes to the cross, dies for all creation, once for all time, 
killing all sin, that we might be sitting in this room. He had to crucify his spirit, his fear, before he crucified his flesh. If we are called to live like Jesus, then we cannot live a life where we don't die like him too. I'm looking at all of you in this room, and I genuinely believe that for most of us in this room, there are certain things that we walk around carrying that are steering us away from the will of God, but we choose to not put it in the ground and let it die because of fear. We're afraid. We don't know what the opposite of that or the other side of that looks like. See, when the economy is going down and God asks us to give thanks in all circumstances, so we take that, living under God's will, put it in the soil, and because we're afraid that nothing is going to change, that God isn't going to do something immediately or when we want him to do something, we dig out this seed and take matters into our own hands. But let me tell you something, church, nothing can grow in your hands. But so much more can grow in God's hands. You can bear so much fruit when you put your seed in God's hands. Or perhaps even your marriage isn't going so well. And you know that God has a will for your marriage in as much as he has a will for you. So you take that uh, maybe anxiety or clashing of uh, perspectives of view. You bury that. But because things don't change over a course of six months and you've been praying, you dig this seed out. Take matters into your own hands. Because God isn't doing something. God isn't moving. God isn't changing your circumstance. Church, God's hands are far more trustworthy with your fear, your anxiety, your doubts, your uncertainty than you are. God's will for your life is far more important than yours. But the only way we, be we begin to access that is if we adopt this culture of dying. It is scary. Trust me, I know. You don't know what's on the other side of this uh, mountain. You can't see beyond your circumstance. But if I as a soul can only see one tree, how much more does God see? Where you can only see this one fear, how much more does God see? See, if we would surrender ourselves to the will of God and we choose to die, how many more seeds will be in this room? It's a scary thought that so much responsibility can rest on your shoulders. But here's how this thing is sustained or kept in God's love is if you trust him. I'd like to point us to uh, that angel that came to strengthen Jesus. What might he have said? What does an angel say to strengthen the Son of God? What, where do you even begin to strengthen the Son of God as an angel? Because we can imagine that it's uh, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and then the angels. 
What do you say? I, 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 I can't guess. I can't even begin to imagine. But I'd like to believe that maybe he just reminds him of who he is. See, Jesus is the living embodiment of God's word. He is grace, love, personified. So all he chooses to do is remind him of who he is. How do you do that? I'm going to read Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. And it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with, excuse me, with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Our understanding is so limited in seeing just this. But God's view is so much wider. Can see so much further. If we would only trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. It is a huge step. It is scary. But if we would just trust in the Lord with all our hearts. For it is God's glory that you should bear much fruit. But church, can we start learning how to die? Can we start learning how to put whatever circumstance we find ourselves in, put it in God's love, have it watered by his word, and watch as the roots begin to run deep. The thing about a tree is that it will grow down before it ever grows up. God will change your character before he ever changes your deeds. Let him change you. Let the roots run deep. That can't happen if you don't let this thing die. I remember uh, when I was a bit younger, maybe like 22. Um, obviously at that age, you're like, all you care about are girls. And I was like sort of starting to learn this thing of uh, God's calling and working in ministry. Like my mind is starting to get open to those things. So then uh, somewhere within that, now I'm like, I made a decision to, to uh, fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to stop dating. I just want to fix my eyes on you. And I'm pretty sure that half of the men in this room have prayed that prayer, secretly hoping that God's going to be like, oh, here you go. <laughs> secretly hoping. I genuinely believe that. So that's what I was praying through the lens of, like, God, look at me. I'm making decisions for you. Just don't make me wait too long. <laughs> so about a year after that, it was like a scene out of a movie. I'm not even lying to you. Uh, so this lady had a daughter. And they came to drop stuff off a church. And we're doing something similar to like a bucket drive. Not this church, another church I used to be a part of. And she walks in. I'm not even lying. My spirit is like, this must be God. Um, <laughs> and I was like, Lord, if you open a door, who am I to close it? Um, so, so, then, <laughs> so then after a while, like she just came to drop off something and leave. Didn't see her again for like eight months. At that time, I'm just thinking to myself, the Lord must be working in my heart to ready the soil to receive some of that. Um, <laughs> but actually, a little while after that, um, I, I, I let that dream go because I think somewhere in that God was like actually really working in my heart. And then I was like, that's not probably the best thing for me right now. And as time went on, my prayer changed. Now I started praying to God, uh, asking him the question, who am I? God, who am I? 
Because if I don't know who I am, how will I ever know what it is that you've called me to do? How will I ever believe that people saying to me, God, I see there's a great call on your life. How will I ever believe that if I don't know who I am? And I walked on the journey, and I'm still walking on the journey today. And that's why my job doesn't feel like a job. It's an expression of who I am. And it's, as we begin to walk on this journey where you figure out who you are, I'm still learning. I'm, I'm very young. I'm still learning who I am. But as you walk on this journey of becoming like his son, where you find yourself will be an expression of who you are. And watch as God begins to produce many more seeds because of you. Can we make the choice to die today, church? The band's going to come up. And... Uh, we're going to make some brave decisions this morning. The thing about this is that for it to succeed, we need to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. So I want to I pray for a few people this morning. And then at the end, I'm going to ask you, if you fall into any of those camps, I want to ask you to stand. And we're going to stand in prayer with you. If you're here this morning and your entire life you have struggled to believe that you are the son or the daughter of God whom he loves and whom he is very much well pleased with, I want to tell you this morning that you are loved. You are loved. If you lived your entire life trying to figure out or work out what that looks like, you're on the right track. You are loved. Right where you are, as you are, you are loved. Or perhaps you've lived your life chasing after your will, what you want, and God must just come secondary to that. I want to ask you to surrender your will, to grab hold of the Father's will, because it is far more important. It doesn't just look at what you have right now. God's will goes far beyond what just you can see. I want to ask you to surrender your will. Put it in the ground and let it die. It's a brave step. and It's a scary one. Trust me. I know. I'm not making light of your circumstances. Trust me. But in order to bear much fruit, we need to learn how to die. And maybe you, you're here this morning. And you've been trying to take hold of God's will for your life, but fear has been grabbing you by the ankles. And wherever you go, it feels like you're dragging something along with you, standing in the way of you accessing more of God's will for your life. I want to ask you to grab hold of that fear, put it in the ground, and let it die. The only way to bear much fruit is to die. I'm getting emotional. can we get into a habit of learning how to die you're, in a, you're a very important seed in the story of God's plan for this earth there is a plan for your life and I want to ask you to be brave and die 
So if that's you, won't you, won't you stand? you to stand with them. You can put your arm around them. You can stretch out your arm. Um, you can hug them, love on them at this moment. This is where we stand together as a church. And we're going to pray. So why don't you close your eyes with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for every single brave human being that has taken a stand against choosing their will above yours wherever they might find themselves, whether they struggle to believe that they are completely and utterly loved by you, or they're perhaps fearful of what it would look like to surrender all control, surrender all of their own desires to access more of yours. Wherever they might find themselves this morning, God, I pray that your spirit begin to tend on the garden of their hearts, Jesus. I pray that trust begins to rise up within them as they take greater steps in bearing whatever seed they carry in the ground and letting it die. Father, won't your love begin to surround them this morning? We pray this in your name. And I pray for our church, God, that we could start the journey of becoming like your son. That no matter what we do, it's governed by who we are. Once you begin to shape our character, that you might change our deeds, God. God, we, we trust you and we love you. We know that you want nothing but good things for us. And therefore, your plan is also good. Can we trust in that, God? We pray this in your name. In your name alone.